the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Faith.com. Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. So, how do we gain? Here's the question How do we gain this knowledge of God's will? It's real simple. Real simple by spending time in the Bible so we increase our understanding of its truths. It's real basic. We spend time in the Bible so we increase our understanding of God's truths. Not shallow, not superficial. And I want to caution you because being filled with the knowledge of God's will is more than just knowing certain doctrines. Because notice the very end of verse 9. He has that phrase, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's easy to overlook this. It's crucial that we not. In other words, the knowledge of God's will leads to being able to gather the timeless principles of the Bible. That's wisdom. I see these timeless truths. I pull them out. And understanding is that I apply them to my everyday life and situation. That's what it means. will. You know, many books have been written about that. Many Christians have wrestled with knowing God's will. Yet, what Pastor Steve said a few moments ago sounded so simple. I mean, can it really be that simple? Or is it not simple at all? Welcome to Verse by Verse with our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff, who is the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We are near the beginning of our series titled The Incomparable Christ, It's taken from the book of Colossians. You're going to like this one. I say that because Colossians is one of my favorite books, but I've also been looking ahead in this series, and I know Pastor Steve is going to bring some great truths for us from God's Word. And now here with this message in our series from Colossians chapter 1 is Pastor Steve Kreloff. You want to know what the will of God is? Be thankful. Be thankful in all your circumstances, in everything, rotten and good. Give thanks to God. Be thankful. So what is God's will for you? That you be spiritual, morally pure, submissive to authority, thankful. That you be that kind of a person. That's what God's will is. And God's will is that every born-again person be this type of person in conduct and behavior. It's clearly revealed in the Word of God. And watch this. When you are this kind of person that God's Word tells you to be, then you'll be able to sense his specific guidance in your life concerning a marriage partner, vocation, what school you should go to, what job you should have. You won't get it if you're not obedient in these other areas because it's only a person who says, I will obey and do God's will that's clearly revealed 
It's only that kind of person that is open to what the Spirit does in terms of giving him proper desires and promptings and so forth. Basically, let me put it this way. And by the way, John MacArthur has written a masterful book on this called Found God's Will. Because God's not putting you on a bunny chase trying to figure it out. And what MacArthur says is this. When all of these areas are together and you're submissive and you're spiritual and so forth, and do whatever you want. Isn't that great? Do whatever you want. Because the Bible says he'll give you the desires of your heart. But if you're walking with him, you can rest assured that those desires are his desires. If you're not walking with him and you're carnal, and it's going to be your selfish desires. You just take care of your character in terms of obedience, and you can trust that the desires on your heart are sent there from God, and they're going to be to honor the Lord. So I like what John says. Obey these things and do whatever you want. Because whatever you want is not carnal when you're submissive to the Lord. God's given you a brain. Do whatever you want. But obey what's clearly been revealed in Scripture. Because if not, then it's kind of silly to say, Lord, I want to know what job I'm to have, but no, I'm not going to be baptized. No. Even though I can find it many places in your work. No, no. But bless me, Lord. Tell me who I'm to marry. But no, no, I'm not going to stay sexually pure. You see, that's nonsense. It's absolutely senseless to pretend to want God's will in your life about a job, a school, a spouse, anything like that. If you aren't willing to follow the will that he's already clearly revealed in Scripture, don't play with God like that. Don't tell him, I'm interested in your will when you're not interested in his will. So how do we gain? Here's the question. How do we gain this knowledge of God's will? It's real simple. Real simple by spending time in the Bible so we increase our understanding of its truths. It's real basic. We spend time in the Bible so we increase our understanding of God's truths. Not shallow, not superficial. And I want to caution you. Because being filled with the knowledge of God's will is more than just knowing certain doctrines. Because notice the very end of verse 9. He has that phrase, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's easy to overlook this. It's crucial that we not. In other words, the knowledge of God's will leads to being able to gather the timeless principles of the Bible. That's wisdom. I see these timeless truths. I pull them out. And understanding is that I apply them to my everyday life and situation. That's what it means. The knowledge of God's will leads to being able to grasp the timeless principles of his word and apply them to life's problems. In other words, you come to the Bible and you get real practical with the Bible. It's God's love letter to you. It's not just doctrinal truth that was written many years ago. It's you're able to take those truths, that's wisdom, and that you're able to apply the practical to your situations, that's spiritual understanding. It's not enough to know God's general will for believers. We've got to take those truths with and with spiritual wisdom and insight, apply them to our lives, to all kinds of situations, job, home, problems, difficulties, finances, all of that. Let me sum up what Paul is asking God to do in the Colossians' lives and what you need to ask God to do not only in your life, but in the lives of others. May they know what your word teaches so that they'll live at a spiritual level. That's it. May they know what your word teaches so that they'll live at that level. What he's saying is that the pathway to a worthy walk is by the in-depth intake of the word of God. And beloved, This is how you pray for fellow Christians. Let me give you some insight on this. Watch this. This is how you can pray. 
pray that they won't be ignorant of the Bible. When you pray for others, pray that they won't be ignorant of the Bible. Pray that their thinking will be reshaped by Scripture. Pray that they'll get into a good Bible study and stay there and be consistent and that they won't allow other things to cause them to miss it. Pray that they'll attend a good teaching church. Pray that they'll listen to sound Christian radio and sound Christian cassette tapes. And pray that in the midst of all of this, for God's sake, they'll know how to apply it to their lives. That's what you pray. You see, so often our prayer focus would be on the wrong issues, such as just health or make this person better. Oh, they need money. Give them a job. Oh, they're having problem with their children. I pray for that area. That's all part of it, but that's not the whole thing. That's not the focus. The greater issue is this. In light of the difficult circumstances, what does God's word tell them to do? In light of that troublesome child, Lord, help them to know what your word says so that they'll respond in love and the right discipline and they'll not be out of control and they'll have wisdom. In light of the health problems and the real difficulties, Lord, help them to respond with a cheerful, gracious spirit. Use them as a testimony of your marvelous grace and comfort. That's how you're praying. Not to just be raised up. You don't even know if God wants to raise them up. But you do know that no matter what happens, God wants them to respond to health or sickness, the right spirit. You do know that. In other words, you're praying that they'll grasp how God's word wants them to live. That's the issue. The main issues are not just failing health, but the godly response to failing health, or lack of money, but the godly response to lack of money, or a difficult child, but the godly response to a difficult child. That's the issue. That's how we should be praying for others and ourselves, and that's what Paul's talking about. So the first key truth to a a walk that is worthy of Jesus Christ is, number one, the pathway to a worthy walk is through the knowledge of God's will. You're praying for people to know his word. You're praying for yourself to know his word. And not just some kind of vague stuff up here that was for the Colossians 2,000 years ago, but Lord, how does this apply to me? The second key truth about a worthy walk is this. Not only the pathway through the knowledge of the word of God, but the purpose of the worthy walk is what? To please the Lord. What's the whole purpose? What's the point? What's the goal? Beginning at verse 10, he says, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. Actually, it's a twofold purpose. It's a twofold purpose. The purpose of the worthy walk is to please the Lord. It's to please him. Paul's purpose in praying this way for the Colossians that they might be filled with the knowledge of the will of God is essentially that they would live in such a way that God is pleased. In other words, knowledge and obedience go together. Did you get that? Knowledge and obedience go together. We learn about God in order to live as God wants us to live. Now, that's so simple, but I'm afraid a lot of believers don't grasp this. You know, the Hebrews grasp this, unlike the Greeks. The Hebrews grasp this. The the Hebrew people never looked at knowledge for knowledge's sake. They always looked that knowledge and conduct went together. It was always connected. That was always in their thinking. That was always the Hebrew way of thinking. For example, notice this. Psalm 143 tells us how they viewed God's will. Psalm 143, verse 10, teach me to do thy will. Did you catch that? Don't just teach me your will. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Let thy good spirit lead me on a level ground. The psalmist isn't just praying that I might know your will. He's praying, Lord, I might know your will, so I might do it. Teach me to do your will. 
Proverbs 1.5, a wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. All Proverbs is about get wisdom so you live a certain way. Get knowledge so that you live a certain way. That's what the book of Proverbs is about. A fool behaves this way. A wise man has knowledge, so he behaves this way. The prophet said in Hosea 4.6, God speaking through him, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It isn't that they just had information that they said, oh, that's nice. We had our theology lesson today. It's a lack of knowledge and what to do. They're destroyed because they didn't take the knowledge and apply it and connect it with life. Their hearts were far from the Lord. Now, the Greek culture, on the other hand, was not like that. The Hebrews always connected knowledge with conduct, but the Greeks were different. The Greeks were philosophers. They looked at knowledge for knowledge's sake. They were into learning for the sake of learning but they didn't relate this learning to everyday life. That was a typical Greek philosopher. And though the New Testament is written in the Greek language, it is never written with the Greek mentality. It is always written with the Hebrew mentality. That's what some Christians do today. we got a lot of Christian philosophers. They wouldn't call themselves that. But there are some Christians who do this. They study and they study and they study the Bible and they study the Bible, but they never seem to connect the truths of the Bible with real life. I know people like that. They like to discuss doctrine. They like to flash their grasp of the subject before you. But they never seem to take, for example, the sovereignty of God and apply it so that I'm not fearful today. I mean, that's just senseless if you have a grasp of that subject but you don't apply it to your life. But there are some people like that. And you may wonder then, why do they study so much? I can think of a lot of other things to do. Why do they study so much? I'll tell you. 1 Corinthians 8, 1. Knowledge puffs up. They study because it's impressive. They want to impress you. It's a pride issue. They want you to think that they are spiritual. And many times there are Christians who study a lot as a cover-up for a lack of spirituality. But you wouldn't dare think they're not spiritual because they know so much and they're so intimidating to you. After all, they can not only quote the Bible, they can quote the prominent theologians. And they can enter into tremendous discussions on the subject. The problem is they've never connected it with life and who cares? Who cares what this one said and that one said? How's it affecting your life? But we tend to be intimidated by that, and we tend to equate spirituality with that. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. Oh, Rabbi Hillel said this. Oh, Rabbi Gamaliel said this. And Jesus came along and said, who cares? Who cares what they said? You're not pleasing God. You see, the issue with that, with knowledge, is their pride. They just get big heads, but they don't have hearts that are burning with passion to please the Lord. And pleasing the Lord is the issue. That's what Paul says in verse 10. You walk the worthy walk. Why? So you might please God. Please the Lord. You know God's will so that you obey him and walk in a manner that's worthy of him in order that he might be pleased. Now, what does it mean to please God? It simply means that those things that we do bring delight to God. We ought to do those things that bring delight to God. It's an attitude of mind that anticipates God's desire for our lives. God desires this. He's pleased with this. He delights with this. I'll do it. I'll do it. It's coming to the scriptures. Watch this. It's coming to the scriptures with an attitude of show me, Lord, how you want me to live so I'll please you. Not just I got to get a sermon this week. I've got to get a Sunday school class this week. It's an assignment You come to the Bible, Lord, show me how you want me to speak to this despicable person so that I might please you in my speech. That's it. Lord, show me how to raise my children so that I don't beat them in the way my flesh feels like it, so that I might please you. Lord, show me 
how to handle my finances, whether it be big or little, so that it might please you. Show me how to conduct my ministry so that it would please you. Show me how to be the kind of wife or husband that I should be so that it would please you, not pleasing me. That's what life's about, pleasing the Lord. See, the goal of Bible study is to learn how God wants you to live so you can please him. Now, we need to be reminded of that. That's the bottom line. You know, you hear people say the bottom line. Well, this is the bottom line of the bottom lines. This is it. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Beginning in verse 6, Paul says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Hey, this is the way you used to behave. This is the way you pleased yourself. Don't do that anymore. Verse 9, For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying and learning what is pleasing to the Lord Don't walk this way. That's the way you pleased yourself once. Now you're new in Christ. Walk in the light. Make progress in the light of his word so that you're understanding what is pleasing to him. That's what life is all about. Paul lived like this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This was Paul's ambition. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 9, he writes this, Therefore also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. Hey, that ought to be your life's verse. Paul said, and he's speaking here, whether I die, it's this, or live, or this. But the essence, Paul said, it doesn't matter. Whether I die or live, my ambition is to please the Lord, not myself. See, that's the real struggle. And we do have that struggle, and you'll never be fully delivered from that struggle until you're with the Lord. But we have a lot of desires floating around. But the one that has to conquer, the one that you have to, regardless of how you feel, have to gravitate to is what pleases God. The goal of Bible study is not to get a puffed head. The goal of Bible study is not just to learn the truth. The goal of Bible study is to learn the truth, to apply it so that God is delighted. That's it. Is that how you approach the Bible? Maybe I should ask this. Is that how from this point on you will approach the Bible? That's the real issue. From this point on, will you make a tangible effort to approach the Bible with that attitude? See, so often people approach the Bible with, I want to be happy. So let me find something in here that will make me pleased. Comfort me. Help me to be encouraged. I think all of that has great merit to it. I do want to be encouraged by the word. I do want to be comforted when I'm down. I do want to know these truths in my life. But that's secondary. The real issue is, Lord, show me what's pleasing to you. I want what's pleasing to you. That's the real issue. Do not come to the Bible with an attitude, Lord, make me happy so that it pleases me. God is not out to please you. He's out for you to please him. You've got to meditate on that. This would be a great verse to memorize. A few verses. You've got to meditate on this. It's got to be part of your inner being to please God. Remind yourself of this. You've got to let this principle not only guide you in your behavior, but in how you pray for others. Your prayer should focus on, Lord, take their life and work in it so they might know your will, live a life that pleases you. That's what you really want for people. That's what you should be praying for yourself. You shouldn't pray for others so that life can get back to normal for them or, oh, they've had a terrible setback, so I want them to be comfortable. The real issue is, is God pleased with their lives? That's what the Bible teaches. What ought to govern the motive behind your praying is that each person you pray for would walk in a manner worthy of Jesus Christ. Then you will always know how to pray, even if you don't know whether they ought to get better or get worse. You don't always know that, but you do know that in whatever situation they're in, they need to respond in a proper way. That was Paul's heart. 
That's God's heart, and that's what needs to be our hearts. You understand? What's most important is not that God heals somebody. What's most important is not that he sends you money for your mortgage payment. What's most important is that our lives please the Lord. Nothing else is that important. Next week, we're going to see exactly what that walk is to be like, because Paul speaks about that, the practice of the worthy walk. But today, what have you learned? Here are three things that you can do today. Number one, establish a prayer list. If you don't have one, you ought to establish one. If you have one that you've been using for 85,000 years, then maybe, you know, look it over again and refresh it a little bit. See what ought to be ongoing prayers in your life and the life of people around you. Establish a prayer list. Secondly, start praying this way. Start praying for others to get into the word of God in whatever format that means. More than just, and let me just say this, more than just reading like our daily bread. I like our daily bread, but you've got to get beyond that. you got to get into the word. We've got a great library. You could use those books. There are commentaries there. Listen, we have the benefit of some fine Christian radio. We've got cassette tapes. You can play me real fast on those. You can play me real slow on that. You can do whatever you want. But you can get into the Word. Get into the Word. Start praying this way for others and yourself. And number three, you need to consciously make an effort of reading the Bible, looking for ways, specific ways to please God by obeying it. Instead of the great Scotsman Alexander McLaren, that after he studied the Bible and he dug into it, then he just took the Bible and he put it on his lap and he just read it as if it were God's love letter to him. God's love letter to him. I think that's the way we ought to read it. That's not the only thing you can do. You've got to plumb the depths and get the doctrines and understand the language and good commentaries will help you. You don't have to be a Greek scholar to do that. Good commentaries will help you. But once you've done that, then you've got to say, oh Lord, now that I understand this, how do you want me to live? What's the principle? How do I apply it to my marriage, to my family, to my work, to the church, to people? How do I apply it? So you have three things to do. Establish a prayer list. Start praying this way for others. Start reading the Bible, looking for specific ways to please God by obeying. You should never read the Bible and go away and say, oh, that's interesting. You ought to read the Bible saying, Lord, in light of this, how shall I live? How shall I live? And then you move to your prayer and say, God, give me grace to live this way because I don't have it in and of myself. I'd like you to turn as we finish 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse 3. By this we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. How do you know if you know the Lord? How do you really know if you're saved? You obey him. Now, the word keep does not mean perfect in keeping. It means, though, a desire to keep. It's speaking of an attitude that says, I want to obey. Even when I'm not always obedient, I want to obey. I have that heart. It's like David, who blew it a lot in his life, but David had a heart for God. That doesn't excuse our sin. We ought not to come and say, well, God will forgive me, so he just knows I have a heart for him. No, it's an anticipated desire of, God, what do you want me to do? I'm ready. That's the mark of a believer. The one who says in verse 4, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments. The one who's not interested in obedience, he's saying, is a liar. The truth is not in him. Doesn't matter if he walked an aisle in a church. Doesn't matter if he was baptized. Doesn't matter if he prayed with some well-known pastor. Doesn't matter. He's a liar. The truth is not in him. If he's not telling the truth, if he's not interested in obedience to the word. 
But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has been truly perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him, that means continues in him, ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. If you're really a believer, you ought to desire to walk in the same manner that Jesus walked. That's the worthy walk. You say, but that's beyond me. That's why you need God's grace. Scripture says we're to increase in the knowledge and the grace of God. It's both. It's both. But if you look at this verse and you say, that's repulsive. That just bothers me. It's repulsive to read the Bible and say, I'm going to obey it. Just going to obey it? Is that it? If that bothers you, then you are not a Christian. You need to accept Christ. If it really bothers you to obey the Bible and submit to the authority of Scripture, then you need to accept Christ. You've never accepted him. You may have prayed a sinner's prayer, but you never truly trusted Jesus Christ in repentance and commitment. Pastor Steve had some very practical helps toward the end of today's message. Let me lay them out again so we can hopefully take them with us. Establish a prayer list. Start praying for others to be obedient to God's Word in their life. Start reading the Bible, looking for specific ways to please God by being obedient. Don't read the Bible and go away and say, oh, that's interesting. No, we must read the Bible and say, how shall I live? And then you move to your prayer and say, God, give me the grace to live this way because I don't have it in and of myself. Well, that's a good place to end today's verse-by-verse program. If you would like to be able to hear this program or any other verse-by-verse program again, please visit us at versebyverseradio.org and click on the Archives tab where you can find our past verse-by-verse programs or sign up for the podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you can join us next time. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.